From the Brooklyn Paper Building in downtown Brooklyn, our CNG studios, as it were. This is Brooklyn Paper Radio. We're here on this day in December. This is the shortest day of the year, Johnny. Really? Shortest day of the year. You sure about that? Yeah. There were less hours in this day than any other day this year. All right. It's true. They tell me. All right. At least the sun's not going to be around that much longer. I'll take your word for it. All right. That's Johnny Kuhn, and he's the master of the board here at Brooklyn Paper Radio. Johnny, how's it going? It's going well, thanks. How you doing? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. We got a big show today, so we just got to get right to it. Please. We're not going to waste any time. We're not going to waste any time thanking our sponsors, Dr. Joseph Lichter and, and Village Caramax. Live the life you want to live. Live the life you want to live. We shouldn't waste any time doing that. That's we just it. Get right into the show. Joining me on my right is Julianne Cuba, who is our political editor. Is that your title? Is that your title? No. What would you say your title is? Just reporter. You're just a reporter. Remember what I said about the microphone. Say it again. Reporter to the stars. Reporter. Oh, there you go. Reporter. But you have a new beat. Yeah. I Can covered downtown Brooklyn, Brownstone Brooklyn. Brownstone Brooklyn. Where, what did you cover before? Let, let the readers know. I covered southern Brooklyn. What uh, parts of southern Brooklyn? Sheepshead Bay, Manhattan Beach, Brighton Beach. So how are you liking downtown so far? It's very different. A lot of development. A lot of development downtown. Not so much in, in, uh, in Brighton Beach? No. Four stories was like, wow, in oh. uh, southern Brooklyn, and now it's... Dealing with much taller buildings. Much taller buildings. Much in the DTB, downtown, downtown Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. please don't the do DTB. that. Don't do that, Johnny. Thanks. All right. There's, there's enough Bococas out there. <laughs> All right? Get it out of the way. Thank <coughs> you. Thank you. And also with me is Assemblywoman Joanne Simon. Hello. How are you? How's it going? Good. Good. All right. uh, Joanne Simon represents uh, parts of Brooklyn Heights, Park Slope, Red Hook. Correct? All of Brooklyn Heights. Well, there you go. Uh, she was elected in 2014 to replace Joan Millman. Correct. Who had replaced Eileen Dugan. Correct. There you go. See how far I go back? You far go You go back way far. I go back way far. Uh, I go back far enough to remember Eileen Dugan well. There you go. Eileen, Eileen was, she was still the assemblywoman when I started, but it was very near the end. And unfortunately, mm. she got cancer, and it was uh, tragic, but... yes. Uh, and she was very uh, beloved, especially in Carroll Gardens. Much and beloved. Well, she grew up there, yeah. and she was uh, a local girl, and mm -hmm. uh, she was a great powerhouse, and uh, as you say, much beloved by the community. Yep. And uh, yeah. And then Joanne, uh, Joan took over, and then I met you probably in the, in the I, when I started in the 90s, mm -hmm. the mid-90s, like I think I met you for some... It was something about parking, or maybe they were trying to get rid of the uh, alternate side of the street two days a week instead of it was two days a week at the time, and it was like one day a week. And I, I just remember that like, geez, but it was probably like 1996, and I was filling in for uh, Richard Allen, who was the reporter at the Brooklyn Paper at the time, needed me to go help out and cover something because I was the Bay Ridge guy, and they sent me downtown, and that's when I learned that there's a big difference, Julianne, as you will learn, between what we call Brownstone Brooklyn. And Southern Brooklyn. It's a big difference. Do you know what the difference is? No. The people. I've different. That too. It's a different. It's a different atmosphere. It's a totally different atmosphere. And it's uh, you know, it's a rather interesting. Uh, rather interesting. We always say in 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 Brooklyn we have we have two Brooklyns. We have the people that use the subways and ride their bikes, and we have the people that uh, that drive their cars. And the people that drive their cars, for the most part, are out in Southern Brooklyn. It's also why we're here today, in a lot of ways, right? It people is. drive their cars. It's something that we that we need to talk about. Um, and then and I'm not saying that people in downtown Brooklyn don't drive cars. Obviously, there are lots of cars around here, but not nearly as much as those in southern Brooklyn. Oh, look at that! <laughs> Our lines are open, by right, the way. Right. Our lines are open, and you could give us a call. It's seven one eight two six zero T's T E A Z. That's eight three two nine. Uh, we're not going to be taking calls now, but uh, shortly we will. Close the phones. Yeah, as, t as time goes by. And, uh, and that's it. But So again, I wanted to welcome Joanne to the show. And I wanted you to just give us a, give us, you know, I gave a, a very quick background, but just you know, how did you get into politics and how did you end up becoming the uh, assemblywoman for uh, these great neighborhoods? Probably about driving. <laughs> not really. Um, I was uh, got involved in my neighborhood in the early 90s, became president of my 
Block Association, then shortly thereafter of the Borm Hill Association. So I was president of the Borm Hill Association for six years, from 93 to 99, which turned out to be a very formative time. Um, it's when we were tackling a lot of issues. You may remember that the one-way toll on the Verrazano was instituted around that time, mm -hmm. and the amount of truck traffic up 3rd and 4th Avenue increased dramatically. Mm -hmm. So while Southern Brooklyn drives more, uh, they drive through downtown Brooklyn. Well, they got to get to work. And have to get to work. And many people work here. Many people drive uh, to the Brownstone Area Park and get hop on the subway to get into Manhattan. And, of course, we have that traffic over the Brooklyn Bridge and the Manhattan Bridge, which is where the truck traffic goes. Um, and that, all of that comes through downtown Brownstone, Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, when I met you, it may have been about parking. It may have been about residential permit parking. It may have been about the Gowanus Expressway. It may have been about... Um, uh, we were doing demonstrations about uh, traffic you know what? It might to get have been the downtown Brooklyn traffic plan. That took a number of years as well. It, was so pr it probably has something to do with that. And I also did some stories on burying the Gowanus yes. at the time. We, there, the were, there was a big push to, to make the Gowanus a tunnel. Julian, can you believe that? Make it a tunnel. Actually, it's we're, I'm still working. I'm on still. It. That's exactly right. You can call me Queen of the Gowanus. <laughs> it's the it's <laughs> Brooklyn's big dig. <laughs> Brooklyn's big dig. Which, by the way, worked out for Boston. Everybody got a bad rap when it was happening, but you go to Boston now; it's fantastic sure. just because of that big dig. And uh, obviously, a big dig in uh, in Brooklyn would would do wonders for Sunset Park. I would say. Well, in, in reality, what we learned from this long process, you know, we did have to sue the federal government uh, and the state government, and we were able to settle that case with a really uh, a dramatically different uh, approach to uh, the roadway, and that was that we would conduct a, a sort of greatly enhanced environmental impact statement process. The community had money to pay for a community engineer, which mm -hmm. were people that um, were our consultants on the deal. Um, and we met with communities throughout the corridor and learned one, some very important things. One is that although people experienced the roadway and the entrances and exits differently, the thing that everybody agreed on is they didn't want this elevated Gowanus Expressway and a tunnel would be the best um, alternative. Mm -hmm. And so we explored various routes, and we came up with a route that actually was a terrific route for a tunnel. Um, unfortunately, around that time, the state uh, stopped paying its consultants. Everything kind of went on hold. It got shelved. The, the state had a, a, a uh, slightly less expensive but not the best route uh, of a tunnel, but then they did nothing. And so um, uh, all that work has been done. A lot of it has not changed, uh, except for the fact that we need it more. And clearly, the environmentally and fiscally sustainable way to go is to have a Gowanus tunnel. So we're continuing to work on that. So would the tunnel go beneath Third Avenue, or no? Wh we'd actually or go Second Avenue in the water. It would go under the water. I see. I remember that. Not. But that was that was more recent because back then we were th we were talking we were talking that initially they yeah. were talking that and I remember Howard Golden was like really afraid it was going to fall on everybody's head etc so we really thought we could go up Third Avenue, mm -hmm. however it turns out that the better route is to come in uh, further down, you loop around you go in not on the bulkhead but a little bit further west and you go up and you come up through you can come up to the trench mm -hmm. okay um, and you could build your entrances and exits wherever you need them because once you're in a tunnel it you don't it doesn't matter what the route is from the the exit of the tube to um, the exit um, on the on the on the surface right mm -hmm. so the people were people were concerned about takings because Robert Moses had knocked down homes and businesses in order to put in the Gowanus Expressway, and people were rightfully very, very concerned and had long memories about that. Yep. Um, but in fact, that would not be. There might be some minor uh, takings at certain places, but nothing like the uh, the the scale mm -hmm. of uh, Robert Moses coming through. But Robert Moses uh, pathway uh, was the Gowanus elevated Gowanus Expressway, and of course, another thing that the that uh, Robert Moses conceived of was instead of plowing through Brooklyn Heights, which is what he originally wanted to do. The community spoke out. They were able to get him to skirt Brooklyn Heights yeah. um, around, and that leads us to the triple cantilever. Exactly what we – do you see that segue? You're a pro. <laughs> you've, you've done this before, I take it. All right, so we're going to segue into the triple cantilever because that's what we want to talk about. Now, Julianne, you did a story about the triple cantilever, which, of course, is the Brooklyn Heights Promenade and the, uh, the Brooklyn Queens Expressway beneath it, which was ingeniously – Mm -hmm. basically built into Brooklyn Heights, into the side of Brooklyn Heights, into the, the, the I guess, the cliff going up. Mm -hmm. 
so that cars uh, and trucks the highway didn't have to actually go through Brooklyn Heights, which was the original plan. And that was obviously fought back in the in the 40s and 50s by the Brooklyn Heights Association, which won, and they got Moses to do this thing, which he loved because he liked having the park overlooking uh, the water and, and Manhattan, uh, the promenade there. So, but, but what's going on now? This, this highway's pretty old, Julianne. Is, isn't that true? Yes, they have to they have to redo the triple cantilever from Atlantic to Sands, um, and if they they're fighting now, I guess with the state. Um, Who's they? The city is fighting with the state to pass design build to speed up the um, the process for reconstruction, and if they don't then all trucks will potentially get kicked off the All BQ. right, design build. You're getting into inside baseball here, all right? These are my listeners. I don't know. They, they say You say design build. You say triple cantilever. You need all this stuff explained to them. Now, design build. Mm-hmm. What what does that mean? It's, it's just a <laughs> um, process to speed up. Like, the city would... Have instead of having two contractors for design or, and or construction more. or more, yeah. then they put the bid out for design and construction in the same the same time mm-hmm. just to speed up the process. Now this seems very reasonable. Yes, but okay. it's not done in the city. Okay, so why isn't it done in the city? Let me let me point this question to uh, Joanne. Well, that's historically um, is a uh, a difference. Been this way for a long, long time, so I can't tell you when it was that it started. But basically, it's a procurement process that the state uh, has been doing design build now for quite some time. And in fact, the Kosciuszko Bridge, which just recently opened, was design build, uh, the Tappan Zee uh, in our area. There are other uh, projects uh, elsewhere. But um, I the city out. has to use design bid build. So you bid out for somebody to do the design. And then they come back with the design that they, they went, somebody gets the bid to do finish up the design and do the working drawings, all of that kind of stuff that goes. Design is a long process, and then you would build bid out for who would build it. And invariably, what happens is there are a lot of change orders and a lot of revisions to the design because once you start to put it into, I'm going to build it, and here's how I can build it you find out that the design may have looked terrific, mm-hmm. but in fact isn't feasible or isn't, or something else needs to be done to make it feasible. So that makes it a much longer process. So the city DOT estimates that if they can get design build, it will take two years off the project, which is enormous. Not only that, it will save about 130 uh, to $150 million in costs, mm-hmm. and that's just based on what is a relatively conservative estimate of $1.9 billion to say, this do is, this project. This so is a multi-billion dollar project. Huge. Yeah. So the, the thing that is, um, and, and many of us have been taught, when I was doing the Gowanus, they were talking about redoing the, the, the triple cantilever. Mm-hmm. What they found when the city was looking at this is, number one, they didn't know how the triple cantilever is actually affixed to the heights, <laughs> and that the normal doorways that you have into it to inspect the structural integrity of the steel of the bridges, because, you know, the triple cantilever is really a series of about 26 different bridge structures, mm-hmm. right? They couldn't get in to inspect them because they'd been closed off. Why Moses and his people did that, nobody knows. But they were closed off, so they had to drill holes through the cement to be able to get into the structure to actually inspect its integrity. So uh, that's been a process. But, but, we been, know but that, that was done recently. Fairly recently, yes. And we know that the sort of the, the further edge of the roadway, the farther out you get from the heights itself, like where it would join with the rock, so mm-hmm. to speak. I don't know if it's rock or not, but you know. I would hope it's granite. Uh, I would hope so. Uh, it, it's, it's tipping, right? Uh-huh. So um, the issue is really, you know, that outer roadway is much more precarious than the inner part of the roadway. So you're saying when I drive <laughs> along the along the triple cantilever, stay on the inside. I should stay on the inside <laughs> lane. I should stay on the inside lane, which is, by the way, it's very especially if you're a big truck. <laughs> well, I just drive a little. I I just got a little Nissan. All right, so yeah, you should I, be okay. You should I, be. Okay. I should be. Okay. But that doesn't mean I'm not afraid to ride on it, and I do avoid it. I do avoid it. I mean, it used to be. I could get from here to the Atlantic Avenue entrance of the BQE, because as you guys know, I live on Staten Island. Sorry. But um, I can get to the the, Atlant- the the extremely dangerous Atlantic Avenue entrance to the BQE. Yeah. used to be able to get there from like, in like 10 minutes. Now it takes about 45 minutes to get from here on J Street to 
the Atlantic Avenue entrance. But I do do that sometimes to avoid it. Otherwise, I just go out to Sand Street or whatever it is and mm-hmm. swing around by the uh, by the Manhattan Bridge, and then I ride along that. And I'm telling you, it's it's precarious. It's pretty scary riding along it. You can't even when you're on the inside lane. It's it's even difficult to see around the bend. Because well, it, yes. I mean, part yeah. of that was what they knew about roadway design. I mean, there's no shoulders, for example, there. So one of the things that they would do in uh, refurbishing this and re- and replacing it, really, is to add shoulders where they can and that sort of thing. But the real k- kicker now, which Julianne referred to earlier, is the fact that um, they have now, um, uh, in, in doing this data collection and inspection, have ascertained that really the structure would not be safe for tr- um, after 2026 for trucks. And so if, in fact, we don't get to do design-build and we have to do design-build-build, build, build, design-bid-build. Design-bid, yeah. Um, we would be um, making the process much longer. Um, nothing ever happens exactly on time in mm-hmm. this world, as you know. Um, and they would be forced to ban trucks from the triple cantilever uh, uh, as of 2026. So that means if you think of downtown Brooklyn's traffic as bad now, you can just imagine. Now, any with any construction, somebody will get off the roadway. There will be diversions, not planned diversions, but just people making the decision to get off the BQE uh, and not stay on it while they're constructing it in place. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that will happen. You know some people will get off at 36th Street and and go up Sunset Fourth Park, Avenue, yeah. right? Um, and there are still whole. We know there's a whole group of people that don't even get on the Gowanus anymore. They get off in Ninety Second Street mm-hmm. and come up um, Fourth Avenue. Fourth so yeah. um, that is going to just make it much harder for the entire corridor. And of course, anybody driving in from Staten Island, which is you, Vince, that's me, um, is going to be stuck in a lot more traffic because everything's going to be much more backed up. So it's really critically important, both in terms of of uh, uh, cost. Uh, as well as safety, that we are able to do design build here. And so that requires state authorization. So you're up in Albany. Mm-hmm. You have the ear of the governor. I'm sure you see him like twice a day. Well, I hope to have the ear of the governor. I don't actually see him twice a day. <laughs> but I will tell you, the last time I saw the governor, I said to him, design, build, design, build, design, build. And what's his and answer And he to said, that? well, Joanne, I'm, I'm working on it. He's I'm working on it. trying to get that But isn't this just a matter of him saying, you know what, let's just do it because it's good for the people of, uh, of... You know, it requires legislation. And so that requires the state Senate to pass that as well. Now, last year, you know, we have some very strong advocates in the state Senate for this. Um, uh, Senator Golden, Senator Lanza both carry a bill on design build. Um, they Their districts are very much affected by this, mm-hmm. even though they are not right well, immediately adjacent. They're definitely affected by this. Everyone in Brooklyn is affected by yeah, this. Yeah, and, and Staten Island. If you're yeah. anywhere near the Staten Island Expressway and going over the bridge, you know, your constituents are going to be affected by this. Yeah. So um, we really believe that we have a, str- a very strong reason to do this. We know that it will be better, safer, faster, cheaper if we do design build. And and we know that this is a bipartisan issue here in the city. So mm-hmm. um, we're very hopeful hopeful that we're, we'll be able to get um, a bill passed and a bill passed in both houses that the governor will sign. Well, i got to tell you, watching the, the Kosciuszko go up and how quickly it got done was actually shocking to me. Like, I'd never seen any project in the city of that scale where they really had to – we're moving lanes and we're, you know – the way they, the way that they got that done was, in, was absolutely incredible. And when I saw the first renderings of that bridge, you know – Probably like ten years ago, maybe mm-hmm. a little less than mm-hmm. that. I was like, "Yeah, this is never going to happen." Like that's your that's your instinct. You're like, "This, this is never going to happen." There's no way they're going to be able to build that bridge, and they did it, and they did it quickly. And then yesterday, I drove over it last night, coming out of Long Island City, and it was uh, the 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 old bridge is gone. Right. So now they're ready to begin. They're going to add, I guess, three or four more lanes. Next three more to lanes. It. Uh, I think no. Wait a minute. I think it's another six, but they're going to be making that into part uh, bus lanes yeah. and also um, bicycle lanes because and pedestrian access. So the the the, the Kosciuszko Bridge, as we used to call it when I was growing up. Uh, well, the governor calls it the K Bridge. This way, he doesn't he avoids he whether to. it's Kosciuszko <laughs> or Kosciuszko? <laughs> I just remember the the traffic reporter saying Kosciuszko Bridge. Right, that's what I, they did <laughs> when I would listen to it. But uh, when that you know when that that. That was the bottleneck. That was always the bottleneck. The the cars going yep. up that dangerous hill, shrinking to three lanes, and having traffic come on at the same time. So when that gets done, hopefully, you know, I always say traffic will build up to what it can handle. So it's always going to be busy, but hopefully it'll be a little bit it'll be a little bit safer. And 
Um, well, you know, that what you just referred to at, at the Kosciuszko Bridge is the slope of mm-hmm. the highway. And, it, you know, a 3% sl- slope doesn't look like much to people on paper, but in fact, it can make a big difference. And the slope of the Kosciuszko was just too steep for trucks to get up and over it safely. Right. And you can see that the pitch of the current roadway is is, is much flatter, uh, much more much reduced. Flatter. And that well. that alone makes an enormous difference. And that's a big issue with regard to a lot of, of construction projects. Um, it's an issue, for example, when we were planning the Gowanus Tunnel. One of the issues is how do you get, if you went to 3rd Avenue, in order to get down, you'd have to have a, you have a certain amount of space you have to take to get down, then you have to get back up to the toll plaza. Right. In reality, eliminating that toll plaza would make a whole lot of sense because you create design problems that way. But the the slope... So uh, the toll uh, plaza is, at the at the, at the, the battery, battery tunnel? tunnel? Yeah. Um, you know, creates a huge design challenge. Right. Well, that's gone now. Well, ex- exactly. It's yeah. tollless now, which makes a huge difference. Yep. But you c- it's much more easy now, um, and it would be much more easy to to break in and be able to do that. But you know, the the, the there we build, but when we build one thing, we don't realize that in the future we're building the next the you know forty years later's design challenge. So mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a it's it's an instructive thing to to uh, look at the Kosciuszko and uh, uh, the smoothing out of that traffic. Yeah, when you would drive over it when the other bridge was there, you saw how much higher the yes. other bridge was, yeah. and yeah. now it is. It's just it's a much it's a much easier it's a much easier ride. But uh, let's take a quick break, Johnny. Sure, we got to take a quick break. Got to pay some bills. I always and say death taxes and traffic at the Kosciuszko, but Ka- that's I how I pronounce it. Kosciuszko, Kosciuszko, the K bridge, Kosciuszko, Kosciuszko. All right, you go first, Johnny. You got it. Well. If you're out there and you're concerned that you're going to have to <laughs> go and uh, be put in a nursing home or put someone in a nursing home, have no fear. You're listening to the right show because we're going to let you know about Village Care Max. Village Care Max, see what's possible, Vince, when healthcare gets personal, right? It needs to get personal. I tell you, it's a Medicaid-managed long-term plan. They help keep you in your home and in your community for as long as possible. They give you a team of healthcare professionals, a whole team. They'll work with your doctor, helping you obtain the best healthcare options available around the clock, day or night, 24-7. You want more information? I'm going to tell you how to get it. Go to villagecaremax.org or give them a call, 1-800-469-6292. Village Care Max, live the life you want to live. Got to live that life, Johnny. And listen, while you're living that life, if you're looking for a dentist who provides quality care at an affordable price, you can look no further than Dr. Joseph Lichter. Because the dentist and skilled hygienist at Dr. Lichter's state-of-the-art office use the most up-to-date technologies and techniques to provide you the best experience possible. It's a great dentist, Dr. Lichter. I know. Yeah, people love him. People love him. Well, Dr. Lichter and his staff perform traditional dental procedures. they got teeth cleaning, fillings, root canal therapy, tooth extractions. In addition, they offer the latest in restorative and cosmetic dentistry, including implants, porcelain veneers, and crowns. Do you the need... fixed bridges, too? They have those. Get him on the Kosky Usko. They could fix those bridges. You know what I'm saying? We should, maybe we should call Lichter. I, everybody out there should, quite there frankly. You Listen, if you got to call Dr. Lichter to make an appointment, because you don't just want to show up. No. You just show up, he, you know. I, I don't, don't know he, what to do with it. He's going to try to help you, but he's going to say, look, just give me a call. Give me a call at 718-339-7878 to set up an appointment that can improve your quality of life. Dr. Lichter is located at 1420 Avenue P, as in periodontal. That's between East 14th and East 15th Streets in Midwood. We are a local podcast. And you can visit his website, Joseph Lichter, a DDS, a dot com. Live the life you want to live, right? No. That's Village Care That's Care Max. All right. That's the other guys. You're doing a great job, Jack. Thank you. Don't let anybody tell you any different. No, I won't. How are we doing on time? You're in the 24th minute. Wow. We're flying. These shows go fast. I don't know how it happens. Now, we talked about tolls and we talked about trucks. And I'm just going to throw this curveball out there. You know, you... It's not even a curveball. I mean, I know where you're going to go with this. You mentioned earlier that they, they got rid of the, the, the two-way toll on the Verrazano Bridge. They did not get rid of the two-way toll. I'm sorry. No, wait. They got rid of the two-way toll. They made it a one-way toll. Oh, yes. long time ago. Right. They should just make that a two-way toll again. There's, it's tollless. It's tollless. It's, I'm sorry. It's cashless tolling now. Mm-hmm. And when they built the cashless tolling, they only put it on one side. 
They could have put it on both sides. And now as someone who, again, someone who lives on Staten Island, I know what this is going to do. All those trucks that are avoiding going over the George Washington Bridge or the two tunnels are, you know, are making their way through Staten Island. And then they're going out through those same tunnels and bridges where they don't pay it, where they don't pay a toll leaving. They only pay coming in. So why didn't the governor, when he did this stuff, again, you're in Albany, I'm not. Why didn't they make that move? Just bring back the two-way toll. It's not going to affect anyone. Staten Islanders don't care anymore. You're going right through the toll, and they're paying five fifty uh, a, a clip anyway. So it it doesn't matter. They'd be paying two twenty-five each way. What's the big deal? Well, you know, as much as I would like to join you in uh, blaming the governor, actually, I don't enjoy blaming the governor for things that aren't his fault. He has nothing to do with it. This is actually part of the federal highway That's bill. That's right. It's the federal bill. Way back bill. when that was a Molinari. I remember him. Molinari and Aldamato uh-huh. when he was senator. And so that was done for whatever reason. Uh, the theory was that the backup on the traffic would, would be on the, the inbound side to um, Staten Island so that, you know, all the congestion would be backing up not into people's homes but right. across the water. That made some sense. It was somewhat reasonable. <clears throat> However, it very quickly became um, a doormat, a doormat for trucks. We noticed the difference in the truck traffic along 3rd and 4th Avenue in my neighborhood of Borham Hill right away. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that is what's been happening. So we know, and the D- state DOT did a study. It was like the early 2000s, right, 2001, whatever. Mm-hmm. There was something like 100,000 trucks of a certain size m- coming in that weren't going out. And that's because the truckers save a lot of money. Right. Right now they save $75, $80 a clip each time. So they come in. They come in through the Staten Island mm-hmm. Expressway. That really affects the asthma and pulmonary disorders throughout Staten Island. They come up Brooklyn. These roads were not built for that kind of heavy truck traffic. The Jersey Turnpike was. They come in. They go over the Manhattan Bridge. They go out Canal Street mm-hmm. through the Holland Tunnel, and they pay nothing. All they do is they, they pay. They the pay one. when they come into Staten Island. That's but, exactly right. But yeah. that's it. So it's the Hudson River crossing that they pay. They don't pay um, for the Verrazano. So we've become a doormat. Um, and uh, the reality is that whatever that argument was once upon a time with the tolls, now that we have cashless tolling, there's absolutely no reason to do that. In mm-hmm. fact, with Easy Pass, we could have just done tolling for, for big trucks and just done two-way tolling for big trucks. But that wasn't That's to right. be. So what we need to do, everybody needs to um, uh, 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 reach out to the congressperson from Staten Donovan. Island, Donovan, mm-hmm. um, and ask him, you know, in the, the to, to to help us with this because it's really important and it will improve everybody's lives. Julian, did we bring that up with Donovan? Julian's also our politics reporter. Did we bring that up with Donovan? Did we talk to him about that? I have not. You have not? I will. Okay, we should. All right, we gotta, we gotta, maybe we get him on next week. Okay. You know, he voted against the tax bill. He did. We'll mm-hmm. talk to him about mm-hmm. that, too. We'll bring that up. We'll talk about that later. All right. But this is like, it seems like this is a moment in time now. We have this problem with trucks uh, being able to go over the, the BQE. We have an answer or a partial solution on Staten Island that, that we, can, we can make that move. I mean, somebody's got to start this. Somebody's got to get this, this, this ball rolling, don't you think? Are you, you going to get that ball rolling? Uh, well, I've been working on this for a while. You know, I ha- there's many conversations to be had. I will say that a lot of the elected officials in the corridor uh, very much agree on it. I've been, you know, I've been talking with Congresswoman Velasquez and Congressman Jerry Nadler for 20-something years about this. Um, I've had conversations with some of my assembly colleagues now who are from Staten Island um, who are, 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 have really come around to the idea that, in fact, this one-way toll no longer um, needs to be the case mm-hmm. because of the technology. Here's where technology can can really make a huge difference in improving everybody's experience of this roadway. Yeah. That seems like a no-brainer. Seems like a no-brainer. Seems like we should get It's also costing us much more to repair these roads for because traffic that really shouldn't even be in, in this area. And that brings me to my next question. Why is it when we're trying to rebuild these highways, right, I, I lived through the reconstruction of the uh, of the BQE, you know the I'm sorry the Gowanus, you know they they replaced every lane lane by lane they laid down new concrete and I'll tell you it was miraculous the way they got it done, mm-hmm. but it's it's crazy, mm-hmm. so why not just shut it down and get it all done in six months? It seems like that can get done even for even for uh, the triple cantilever. I mean just work 24 hours a day seven days a week. Close it down, open it up, you got a brand new highway. Well, 
I think that six months might be a little uh, optimistic. I'm an optimist when it comes to this well, stuff. Okay, when but it comes you know, to my ideas, I'm an optimist. You need to be an engineering optimist or an optimistic engineer. The engineers <laughs> will tell you they can do anything. It doesn't matter yeah. how much well, money you give them. They can get it all done. That's what they say. They put us on the moon, I've heard. Uh, well, some of them did, yes. Um, <laughs> that's because they had those women counting. I heard about uh, that. And, and calculating. But um, I, I would say this. you know, uh, Closing a roadway is has great repercussions. And I think that in the, the wisdom of the DOT, and I can't say as I disagree, and I am not an engineer, so I'm certainly not going to um, have any more creative uh, or, or uh, better uh, data. Um, and that is that, uh, you know, part of the, the issue is, you know, we need to connect to the bridges. And so one of the major functions of the triple cantilever is the connections to the bridges. And shutting that down affects the connections to the bridges, which is a very important piece of this um, puzzle. Now, um, you know, when it came to the Gowanus, for example, uh, we quickly learned that, um, you know, we couldn't just drop everything to Third Avenue and have it go through. Although in Cal in um, San Francisco, when they had the earthquake, the Embarcadero, yep. uh, you know, fell down, they took it down, there was and a, they uh, there didn't was a, have to replace it. a raised it. highway along the water right. that completely collapsed, and then they decided to take it down. And I lived there in the in the early 90s mm -hmm. after that earthquake happened, and everyone was just ecstatic that they got rid of that highway, which was an eyesore, yeah. and they just turned it into, it's just like the West Side Highway now. Right. You know, and it, it, it seems to me that that still works. It can still work, but here's the other thing we need to think about now, and that is the environment. You know, we, uh, that, that, that uh, the, the route that the uh, Gowanus takes, for example, uh, you know, it's, it's very, um, very much <laughs> affected by storm surge. We know this throughout western Brooklyn, anywhere near the water. We have a lot of waterfront in, in the city, and we are also very vulnerable to storm surge. And we need to make sure that we're building sustainably. And frankly, whether you take all of the traffic that's currently on the Gowanus Expressway and send it up Third Avenue, that's not really a good solution. Uh, the better solution, of course, is to do something dramatically different that is sustainable and will last 150 years before you need to, to do any major repairs, and that's a tunnel. I'm on board with the tunnel, all right? You, you mean, you had me, you had me at let's dig. Send a letter. I, I, can, I can dig it. <laughs> I can write an I can write an editorial an editorial if you like. Julian, should I work on that? Mm -hmm. All right, I'll try that. Okay, but now I'm definitely in on the tunnel. But I would think that closing down a roadway uh, for an extended period of time, obviously the truckers aren't going to go that way. They have another route, you know. So they would have to end up. They, they would avoid Brooklyn, and you know it would get done quicker. Those trucks, yes. But I mean, you know, one of the things we've learned when we did the blueprint in downtown Brooklyn, this is now going back at least twelve years is that 50% of the traffic in downtown Brooklyn is through traffic. Mm -hmm. But that also means that 50% of the traffic is relatively local, local. traffic deliveries, et cetera. Um, so uh, rooting more traffic through downtown Brooklyn to shut down the, the BQE, to me, seems like uh, a very dicey proposition. But I think it's a great idea if you to check that out with the city DOT, who's uh, um, managing this, this project. Mm-hmm. So and they're very on top of it. All right. What are the what are the chances now of us speeding this thing up? Of what do you think the chances are? If you were on a scale of of, uh, of one to ten of this happening before uh, you know before it's too late. You know, I never try and give. You know, I'm I'm, I'm a lawyer, and whenever whenever a client says to me, "So what are my chances? 50, 50, 80, 20? You know, uh, I never do that uh, because you really can't. The, the ways of the legislature are, uh, are varied, and uh, it would be great if we could get this done in the budget because, in reality, the city needs to start moving on its RFP process for um, the design or the design uh, build, and they need to know that very soon. So um, I'm very hopeful. I think that there are a lot of things that are in our favor. One is that we have really strong bipartisan support throughout the area, a growing recognition that this needs to be done. And we have really, this is really an emergent matter. Mm -hmm. This is not something we can just delay and fool around about. I think it it's, really a life is and, it's a life and death situation. Uh, the, beak, the, the triple cantilever is life and death situation. And it's just a matter of time before that thing falls into beautiful Brooklyn Bridge Park, which brings us to our, our next topic that we wanted to talk about. Um, Brooklyn Bridge Park, uh, Pier 6, uh, there's lots of construction going on there. Uh, they're building a tower. The tower, two towers. two towers. Two towers. The towers haven't yet been approved to be built, 
yet construction goes on. And uh, two justices, uh, judges, that, that uh, Justice Carmen Victoria St. George, is that right? Do you want to fill everybody in on this, Julianne, or you want me to do it? Go. Um, the Justice Carmen Victoria St. George is waiting to make her, she's making her decision on whether the city can proceed with building the two towers at Pier 6 um, that the community is adamantly opposed to, um, one of which will have affordable housing in it, 100 units of affordable housing. Um, but people say it'll it's too tall. The, um, and the argument for the towers is that they need cash to help fund um, Brooklyn Bridge Park. So, A, do they need cash to fund Brooklyn Bridge Park? Do these towers have to get built? And B, what do you think is going to happen here? Well, that's a complicated question. I mean, the people who are in charge of the money, the people who know those details much more intimately, are really being very conservative. They're being very conservative in um, assuring that they have money for the long term mm -hmm. to sustain the park, which is a very expensive park to sustain because, in fact, it's very expensive to take care of the piers. So um, they're, they're being very careful about that. Um, the argument on the other side is, you know, having the money in the bank so that you can pay for this for the next 50 years is, you know, maybe a great rainy day fund, a great um, uh, plan, um, but you don't really need that money at this moment, and we can find another way to raise those funds in the future when they're, should they be needed. Um, I think for the park planners, their, their issue is, you know, we know that in the city and in our state, we have sometimes not funded our parks appropriately. Look at Prospect Park the way it was in the 70s mm -hmm. when finally Tupper Thomas came in and the Prospect Park Alliance was started, and it has taken a long time, but they never had a dedicated funding stream. So there's a very strong argument on that side. On the other hand, uh, nobody really wanted housing in the park. It was not initially envisioned. Oh, I know. Um, you know, I personally wanted a ferry terminal there, not the, the playgrounds. I mean, the playgrounds are great, mm -hmm. et cetera, but I thought that was a great place for a ferry terminal. At Atlantic nobody Avenue? Paid at, at Pier 6. Okay. Right? Um, nobody liked that idea at all. There was maybe two or three of us who thought that was a good idea. Um, so I lost that battle a long time ago. So, um, you know, the uh, you know, am I a fan of the, the, the housing? No. Um, but whether I'm a fan of it or not, it's up to the judge. Um, and there are, um, you know, there are, I think the plaintiffs have a very strong argument mm -hmm. that the amount of money that uh, uh, has been raised because of the values the, of apartments in Brooklyn, you know, when the EIS was done, uh, you know, 10, 12 years ago, Nobody ever anticipated that we would have the building in downtown Brooklyn, that we would have the land values in downtown Brooklyn, that mm -hmm. we would have the tax base that we have in this vicinity. Um, and so uh, they're reaping that benefit. On the other hand, costs are only going to go up, and they're looking at the long term. So, you know, it's going to be up to the judge to make that decision. I know the judge was really encouraging, strongly encouraging the parties to find some way of resolving this. Um, and I, I know that, uh, you know, the parties, if they could have a s shorter building, mm -hmm. that would pr be much preferred to a taller tower. Um, and well, But neither side was apparently willing to budge very the much. The parties involved are the Brooklyn Heights Association, which mm -hmm. is responsible for the case. Uh, that they're suing the Brooklyn they're Bridge Park. They're the plaintiff, yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. the Brooklyn Bridge Park Corporation, claiming right. that the Brooklyn Bridge Park Corporation has enough money already right. To, to manage its finances, and that this is just, just another way of getting more money thrown in and, you know, lining pockets of whoever's working on the development and whoever's getting it built and whoever's doing all that stuff. So, uh, and changing the feel of the place. I mean, it will feel very different with towers there than it would uh, without them. And if you go down there, it's a very small footprint. Right. Well, it comes back to what, what uh, the Brooklyn paper has, has called the original sin of Brooklyn Bridge Park, which is that the park is not funded by the city. It's not funded by the general fund. It's not funded by all of these property taxes that are now in downtown Brooklyn like, like you wouldn't believe. If you looked at uh, Flatbush Avenue and Flatbush Avenue Extension five years ago and look at it now and you see what the, the tax base that's there now, it's unbelievable. But uh, that park is, is, is not a park like Prospect Park is. It is not a city park. It is, it's run by a, uh, a semi or quasi-public corporation whose job is to make sure it has enough money to fund itself. And 
you know, their their argument is these obviously you can't argue that having condos in there isn't going to fund that park. It certainly is. Mm -hmm. The question is, is there enough money now with the condos that are already there, with the hotel, with all the other things that are there? And then where does it end? You know, mm -hmm. if if they say five years from now we need two more towers, they can go ahead and, and do just well, that. Well, they have a park plan, and uh, they really, it would be um, just deciding to build two more towers. That is something that I don't think would be in the offing. So I do think that, you know, there's a certain... Uh, um, well, they could uh, extend the park. They could extend the park. Well, they could Red extend Hook, the park. They could buy Red another Hook a pier. Little bit. <laughs> well, but, uh, you know, I, I, I can't answer that question. not a question, really. Yeah. So the issue really is that, um, you know, Parks, nobody was putting money into parks and nobody was building parks. And it and that's, you know, the, the Prospect Park Alliance is still very much needed because Prospect Park, from the city park's point of view, does not have as much money as it should have. So building a park that wouldn't have been a park, it would have been big box stores. So early on, the people who came together to say, no, we don't want big box stores there because Giuliani was going to do that. I don't know if you recall that. Mm -hmm. um, that... It needed to be self-sustaining. Right. And that was the only way a park was going to happen. Um, that, of course, did lead to this concern that you express. And there were a lot of people who had that, that, those arguments way back when, people who really b believe that if it's going to be a public park, it needs to be funded by the, in the public domain. Mm -hmm. um, the sort of hard reality was that was not going to happen. So it was either going to be a park that was self-sustaining, that was a, you know, a public-private partnership kind of thing, or it was just not going to happen, and we would have big box stores there. Well, it's it's interesting. That, like earlier, you said when you make plans, you're planning yeah. for now. That's you're not right. planning for the future. But no one foresaw all of this development in downtown Brooklyn, except me. By the way, I did foresee it, Johnny. I did. Is that right? Yeah, totally. All you right. should have. I saw, I saw sold a, tickets. No, I should have bought real estate. Is what yes. I should have did, but I didn't do that. Right. So. Well, listen. When I moved to my to my neighborhood. Um, we only had four brothels left on my block. <laughs> so uh, this world has changed dramatically. We did a big story when the, years when the brothel here, so. on uh, Remsen Street closed. This used to be Sid's hardware store, remember? Well, yeah, Sid's was about, here. Yeah. I think even when we came Myrtle. here, they were, they were downstairs. Well, yes, but they were a Myrtle then, Avenue yeah. with a couple of series of little funky storefronts for yep. a long, long no, time. I, I don't remember that because by the time I started working in downtown Brooklyn, Metro, Metro Tech, Tech was, was pretty much done. But I do... I was a uh, you know I was around when they were building the hotel and mm -hmm. and thinking that uh, it was never going to survive because it was in Brooklyn and and they called it the New York the, the New York Marriott at Brooklyn Bridge they refused to put Brooklyn in the name of the hotel out of fear and I was just like they're crazy they're going to make a bundle and when that Costco opened up in Sunset Park it made more money than any Costco in the country immediately. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Target when Target opened up and now uh, they're building so many hotels you can't oh, see straight. Well. <laughs> they're building hotels and then they're putting them in, in weird places and then they end up putting homeless people in them. That's a it's a whole nother thing, Julianne, isn't it? Yes. Well, that's going on in Sunset Park that the other Julianne is working on. Oh, the other Julianne, yeah. Lulianne, we call her. I didn't know that. No, th there was some there was some problem with uh, with spelling in our in our <laughs> list and she came up as Lulianne. Yeah, there was a big there was a big typo <laughs> issue, but we're not going to get that, Johnny. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to get right to our calls. If there's any calls oh, out there, oh wow, we'll, we'll open up the phone lines. You can give us a call at seven one eight two six zero T's, T E A Z. That's eight three two nine. We gonna do a commercial? Yeah. Yeah. You want to lead off here? Or? Yeah, I'll do one. All right. You know who I love? Who's that? To get my teeth done. Tell us. Dr. Joseph Lichter. Oh, right. Dr. Joseph Lichter. Julianne, when was the last time you saw a quality dentist who was truly affordable? Uh, maybe four months ago, but it wasn't Dr. Lichter. So it wasn't truly affordable is I what you're saying. Not. Clearly, clearly you overpaid. I do need another dentist. It, it certainly has been too long yeah. to remember. That's, <laughs> Dr. Lichter's state-of-the-art dentistry is offered at extremely reasonable prices so that almost anyone can afford to get the smile they deserve. Even you, uh, Julianne, even you. So right now, his prices are even more affordable because listeners of this very show, Brooklyn Paper Radio, can get special low prices on some of Lichter's most popular procedures. You know about Invisalign, Johnny? No. Invisalign are the virtually invisible braces that go behind your teeth. Whoa. Some places, they cost more than $5,000. At Lichter, you're going to save $1,000. In the porcelain veneers... They can go for a thousand or more. Lichter, you're only paying six seventy-five. At least when they wrote this copy. Okay. I don't know if it's gone up. Hopefully, it got, hopefully it went down. 
All right. Get the bright smile you've always dreamed of. For a a limited time, Lichter is offering the Zoom teeth whitening procedure for only $395. So, Johnny, you got to quit smoking. Stop drinking that coffee. Go to Lichter. Get the the Zoom whitening. All right. You can call Lichter today. 718-339-7878 to set up an appointment. That's 718-339-7878. Lichter, as always, located at 1420 Avenue P between East 14th and East 15th Streets of Midwood. And he's always online at josephlichterdds.com. That's right. And I've said it before, and I will say it once more. If you're out there and you're worried about having to put someone in a nursing home, have no fear because the Brooklyn Paper Radio is here with your answer. And the answer is... Village Care Max, ah, Medicaid Care. Managed. That's right, Medicaid Managed, long-term plan. Seems very expensive, Johnny. Seems expensive. Managed by Medicaid. Oh! And uh, they got a team of doctors, healthcare professionals, I should say, mm-hmm. that'll monitor your medications. They'll put your pills in the little box, so you take your Tuesday pills on a Tuesday, or in this case, your Thursday on a Thursday, and uh, they're there for you whenever you need. So you want more information, don't take it from me. Take it from them at www.villagecaremax.org. Or give them a call at 1-800-469-6292 and live the life you want to live. Vince, All right. you know? All right. We're going to open up our phone lines and uh, see if anybody's out there. And who knows? Maybe something will come through. Maybe not. But we can continue to uh, open the phones. Because we we've got a lot, a lot of stuff going on here. We're talking about the BQE. We're talking about the triple cantilever. We're talking about... The Verizon Bridge. I wanted to ask about solar paneled roads. Have you ever seen or heard anything about that? Solar paneled roads. I saw a video once. It looked amazing. Has that crossed your desk? No, it has not. I'm gonna forward you the video. I don't think I don't think that really exists. No, that there's a great video. They get the roads, they light up, they take in energy from the sun, and there's a problem. Julianne, did you see that video? No. No. It's in Germany. I don't know. It looked amazing. Well looked amazing. What's the extension here? Tees. No, what's the extent? What's the what's the direct extension? Oh, uh, four five zero two. Oh, I'm sorry. See, I yeah. gave him the wrong extension. Sounds like we might have a caller though. Yeah, no, we do have a caller, Whoa. and we're, we're sending them off into different directions. But okay, any minute though. Our phone system, top shelf, top shelf. We just don't know how to use it. We got a new phone. It's great. It's got a lot of buttons. Yeah, <laughs> so he probably <laughs> sent them off into. My our uh, uh, Tony Rotano is is working the is working the phone board, and uh, he's sending people off in different directions apparently. But he's 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 trying to contact me back and forth, and we'll see what we'll see what's going. On. Julianne, did you have any questions? I do the, have a question actually. Yeah, go right ahead. Um, do you um, how do you get to work every day? I drive in. I told you. No, that. no, no, no. To to the assemblywoman to transfer. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. You can ask that too. For the most part, I take the subway. Okay. Sometimes I walk. Do you have a, a placard? I do have a placard, a parking placard. I was going to ask what that was, but you cleared it up. With you did. What? So what's your what's your point, Julia? Oh, just do you have any tickets, violations, unpaid, <laughs> unpaid tickets? Like not that I'm aware of. Okay. There you go. Because we had we had an issue with one of our state senators. Yeah. What do you make of that? With who had a number of different he had a number of different tickets for uh, that was State Senator Marty Golden. Yes. Is that what you're bringing up? Yeah. So you're looking into. You're looking into what I'm doing other, my work. You're looking into what other assembly assembly. Oh wait, oh, we're getting a call. We got a call. Hold on. Caller. Saved by the bell. Call. Hey, it's Brooklyn Paper Radio. Hey, it's Brooklyn Paper Radio, and you're on the air. Well, thank you for call for taking my call. I've been on hold for quite some time, Vince. Uh, it's Gersh Kunstman, longtime fan, longtime caller, frequent host of the show. Happy to hear Assemblywoman Joanne Simon. I was also happy to hear all the chatter about cars and bridge tolls and all that. I want to ask the Assemblywoman a question about biking in the city. As you know, you're interested in the environment. Where are you on bike lanes? More specifically, the one on 3rd Avenue where your colleague, Marty Golden, got into a little bit of a row with a cyclist. Well, I'm a, a, a fan of bike lanes to begin with, so I, I don't draw a... Uh, um, I don't draw a line at which back lane versus the other. I mean, you know, so I'm not I'm not really sure what your question is. Yeah, I, don't I think I, the bike lane on 3rd Avenue is wonderful. I don't understand. I think okay. the bike lanes on other streets are wonderful as well. I do think that um, they have presented New Yorkers with a fair amount of challenge because there are a lot of people who 
um, are still not used to the fact that a bicyclist may be coming upon them. And so um, I think that uh, the courtesy on the roads is something that I think we all need to think about uh, more consciously. I think we could avoid a lot of problems if the pedestrians realize that they should really look both ways, not just for cars, but because we have bicyclists. And bicyclists need to be aware that people sometimes uh, are crossing the street and maybe are not as, as uh, swift-footed um, as, as some others. It's a real, it's well, a real issue no, for a lot of seniors are very concerned. There's no question that we all have to share the roads. They belong to all of us. But I was very concerned and was very appreciative of some of the media coverage of the Marty Golden incident. You work with that guy in Albany a lot, although he's in the Senate. Uh, first of all, what do you think of him as a person, and do you think he uh, exhibited an egregious misuse of his placard? So are you the guy that uh, was biking along and uh, took the pictures? No, I'm just a concerned citizen. Uh-huh. <laughs> so here's the thing. First of all, you know, Senator Golden is a colleague of mine, um, and uh, I work with him on the issues in, on which I um, uh can find common ground. Um, I am not taking a, a particular position as to the facts in the matter because I wasn't there. Um, I think it is concerning, and obviously, um, we uh, would 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 encourage every elected official to respect the rules of the road. Yeah, I mean, you you know you you have a driver's license. Uh, there are certain rules you have to live by. Uh, we we I want to thank the caller for calling in. Anybody else out there wants to give us a call? The number is seven one eight. Two six zero T's. That's eight three two nine. So there you have it. So I, I think what, Ju what Julianne was 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 going after was she was she's just checking on politicians to see if they have any other outstanding tickets like like uh, Mr. Golden apparently does. But you know there we have. All right. Periodically we hear about that from uh, people from time to time. I've I've seen that in the press in the past. All right, we mentioned the tax plan earlier today, and we are we're running out of time. It's true, right? but we got we just got a few more minutes. Again, if the phone lines are open, if you want to give us a call, seven one eight two six zero eight three two nine. But the tax plan got passed. The federal tax plan got passed. Now, what do you think this means for your constituents here in Brooklyn? I know what it means for me. Basically, I did some math. I'll let you know. It looks like maybe an extra, maybe an extra eighty dollars a paycheck. I don't know. Maybe an extra fifty dollars a paycheck. And uh, and I'm a homeowner, and uh, I and I do when I do my taxes, we do uh, what do they call that? TurboTax. No, I don't do that. You I lost the deduction. They yeah, got my deduction. deductions. We deduct we deduct things and all and that. You and can't do it anymore. Yeah, it's, yeah, it certainly changed my deductions. So I think it's go I just think it's going to be a wash. I think I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go I'm gonna break even on this one. So the cover of the New York Post yesterday had uh, President Trump with a box of hundred dollar bills. Apparently, I think it should have been probably. Nickels and dimes, but I, I know, that's just me. What do you, what do you think? Your constituents are, are they concerned here in New York City? Everybody's concerned about it uh, for a variety of reasons. You know, the uh, you might get a something of a tax cut, but if your costs go up, you're not getting anything in, in, in the end. Um, the fail, the lack of deductibility of state and local taxes is enormous. Um, the uh, the mortgage deduction. Uh, losing that is enormous. Yes, you'll be able to deduct up to ten thousand dollars. So if you have a mortgage where your taxes on your for you, that you're paying through your mortgage are fifteen thousand dollars, it's costing you five thousand dollars more. Mm -hmm. That is it not going to be deducted from your um, uh, your income. Right. So um, that's just one thing. Now this will have will have an effect of um, lowering. Uh, housing co housing prices, mm -hmm. so that uh, the value of people's homes will go down. It's estimated by about 10%. That can be an enormous difference. Um, that, of course, is going to then affect the, the banking and affect the mortgage um, uh, 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 market. Um, this is going to destabilize markets. It, it's going to be a real bad situation for New York. New York's budget is already going to have a shortfall, um, and uh, we are facing significant losses due to this tax plan. I think that one of the things that people will find out over time is that while it's anticipated and it's been in the news that New York and California and other blue states, uh, against which this really does appear to be retaliatory, 
um, will be greatly affected. It is not going to go unnoticed in other parts of the country. So many of the provisions in this is like really just sort of upending the apple cart. So even if one or two of them made some sense, you're doing everything all at once, and that is a real big problem. So it's going to destabilize our economy, and uh, it's going to affect people all over the country, and it's not going to be a pretty picture. So I should take all my money out of my 401k and, and just get it out of the stock market and, and just, just collect that uh, 2%? I don't know. Well, you know, I can't give you financial advice. <laughs> all right, I'll t- I'll t- I'll t- I'll, I'll I'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right. Listen, we are. I think we're we're just about running out of time. There was one other thing that the federal government did. Again, it has nothing to do with you, but it just happened this week, and I've been infatuated with it. So I'm going to bring it up. You ready? Do you guys see those the, the UFOs? I did see oh, that. Yeah, Have you seen the UFOs? Article. Did you watch the video, Julian? No. You got to watch the video. Okay. You got to watch the video. Okay. I mean, it's these pilots, and they're chasing this thing. They don't know what it is. It's not giving off any exhaust. So apparently the federal government spent millions of dollars. 22, to be exact. $22 million investigating what what it was. They haven't figured out anything. $22 million. So I guess my question to you is, is the truth out there? Somewhere. It's out there. Somewhere. It's definitely definitely out there. It's definitely out there. I mean, there are guys that they're saying, look, this was a UFO. There's no doubt. I heard they got pieces of... Shrapnel? I don't know. No, there was no shrapnel. I heard. I, I was watching it. Where do you get your news, Johnny? I was watching regular TV, cable TV. Regular TV. The regular tube. The regular television. Yeah. But I tell you, I think it was a, all a distraction. They're putting out this alien thing so we don't think about the taxes, tax plan hits. We don't think about the failure to uh, fund children's health. They Connecticut. Gotta f- they got to fund that. Connecticut. They, they stopped, right? Well, and I'll, I'll tell you, my, my health insurance bills are through the roof, by the way. Through the roof. Had to get like, worse. Had to so like what ten, are we gonna do? Can we like get ten a, grand this year? Had to be like ten grand. Is there anything? Can we get like? But on the bright side, or you know what I want? The bright side advice. of uh, of uh, a one point five trillion dollar uh, tax cut that's going to explode the debt and uh, lead them to want to pay for those costs by reducing Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security. I think that that uh, is not. There's no bright side to that. Any advice? <laughs> Put your head under a pillow. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Listen, we always like to close the show, give you an opportunity to anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about, anything happening going on there, maybe having another one of your little uh, Javas with Joanne like you had the couple the other day in Dumbo or something like that, anything you wanted to talk about, bring up. We can leave it with that. And then... Uh Unless Julianne has something else to say, we're going we're gonna to move forward. Any, no. anything? Well, thank yours. you. We're, I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you about these really important issues. As you know, uh, my district is going to be very much affected by them. And uh, it's very important that people learn more about these issues. So I appreciate your giving me the opportunity to talk about them. And uh, we will be having more Javas with Joanne, um, where people are just invited to come in and talk about anything they want. Just say hello. Um, and it's been, uh, we think it's been pretty successful. People have been happy to have that opportunity. We'll be doing it in Park Slope in the new year in Park Slope and in Brooklyn Heights. And uh, as soon as we have the, the details and the, the information, we'll be letting you know. Did you get a big crowd at the Brooklyn Roasting Company? We had a pretty good crowd, you know. What was the most interesting question you were asked? I have to, this is how I ask my kid about school during the day. What was the most interesting thing that happened at the, at the Brooklyn Roasting well, Company? Well, you know, what was interesting about it is that people come with varying uh, concerns or ideas. Uh, One woman came up to me who is uh, in her 60s, is dyslexic, was not really identified early, Mm -hmm. really wants to talk about the struggles of women with dyslexia who were not uh, given the kind of uh, help that they needed and um, how their careers and their lives have been, been changed by that. And she's working on a documentary about that. And, uh, you know, this, uh, obviously we're talking a lot about women and the struggles that women have had. One of them is the fact that even when it comes to educational needs, for example, mm-hmm. um, girls don't get picked up as often. Girls are often more compliant, so they're not acting out. Boys are acting out. People pay more attention to them. People don't pay as much attention to girls, but they're quiet and they're well-behaved. So they don't necessarily get the kind of uh, the kind of help that they need in mm-hmm. education. And this woman really felt that her life was very much affected by it. So she came to see us. Another woman who lives in uh, southern Brooklyn, has a daughter in school up here, really wanted to talk about connections with the school because, in fact, a lot of schools don't really know very much about their local elected officials. And, uh, you know, that engagement that uh, 
uh, ability to, to know who your local elected official is, to reach out in case there's something happening, or um, to do career days for kids, or all sorts of things is really Im improved if you know who those people are on the ground and we can start getting kids involved in civics. And if anything, we've learned anything in the last year is that people really need to learn more about their government and about civics and to get activated and get engaged. And it's important that that starts when they're in school. So a couple of those things were really, I thought, very uh, powerful and very interesting. Well, people do need to know about their government, Johnny. Right? It's true, absolutely. All right. Well, you got to you got to start playing. Oh, we're playing us out. Well, I got to do a round of applause. You know, I want to thank Joanne Simon, Assemblywoman Joanne Simon, for coming on the show today. I want to thank uh, Julianne Cuba for helping out. She's our politics editor. No. Reporter, politics reporter. Oh, and and new downtown Brooklyn report. We call it downtown too. Yeah. People get DTB. very upset. People get very upset when we when we when we choose neighborhoods and they don't like that choice. They get very upset. We people were upset that we called the new Apple store. I said it's in downtown Brooklyn. They're saying no, it's not in downtown. But you're shaking your head. You're saying no. I say yes, it is in downtown Brooklyn, and I'm the editor, so I will make that call. And we will see you next week on Brooklyn Paper Radio. And if we don't, we wish everybody happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all that other stuff. And uh, we'll see you when we get back. Happy right. and healthy new year. There you go. Thank you. Take care, everybody.